Hello and welcome to episode one of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. I am your host, Krishna Masinson, and with me today is... Pawan Mehta. Hello, everybody. Hello, and we are starting this new podcast. Thank you for joining us each the week. Billion Dollar Movie Club. Yes, so send your checks for a billion dollars to Krishna Masinson at uh, Jersey City. Ooh. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's that's quite a bit. Because <laughs> I'm like I'm like Spider Man and Spider Man PS4. I can swing around the city and find all my stuff. Only PS4. <laughs> yes, the video game. So this is a show uh, where we talk about movies. Yes, <laughs> movies, and we will be getting to Spider Man eventually. So this is a podcast where we will go through every single film that has uh, grossed at least $1 billion in the worldwide box office. Um, both Pawn and I are great fans of cinema. Film, yeah, I've seen a couple movies talkies. here and there. I've seen at least half a film. I, I've um, probably watched like a Nickelodeon or two in my time. Yeah, a Nickelodeon. Back, <laughs> I, I had that quarter, and it must have went somewhere, right? So yeah, so we're going through all 47 films to make a billion dollars. We're going to go with them chronologically by uh, when they order earned which, that. Yes, when they earned order. their place in the club. I like to think of us as bouncers in front of the club. And this is when their name was added to the list. And we're looking back like, oh, yeah, that person happens to also be here. And they came in yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, before you weren't okay. But now you can. Um, so, yeah, this is basically going to be a book club for movies where we talk about these gigantic movies. Um, Juan and I both have probably seen about half of them each. Seems and, like an appropriate number. And a lot of these movies have entered the general uh, consciousness references everyone makes. And it, it's it going to be interesting looking into these movies, see why people like them, uh, find the weird blips and like, why did this one make money? And just see how, you know, these movies are popular. Why are they? Should they be popular? We're the judges. And we're, then we're going to figure out how we can make them better. Oh, that's going to be the best part. We're going to make them better and improve them. But to improve them, you're gonna, to understand how we improve them, you're going to need to know our tastes, what our minds think of. All right. So as a little introduction, uh, we're going to see what our favorite movies are. Puan, what are some of your favorite movies? Um, I have enjoyed in my time, uh, There Will Be Blood, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say a couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've only seen one of those movies. Um, some of my favorite films include The Social Network, La La Land, Sing Street, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, um, The Muppets, the 2011 The Muppets, I love a lot. Um, recently, I loved Parasite. Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, uh, Book Smart, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just naming movies I love because there's a lot of good movies. As for a, mo- a recent movie I loved, uh, A Hidden Life fits oh. that bill for me. We both saw that. I may or may not have fallen asleep in it. I may ha- or may not have during my first viewing of that as well. <laughs> not, not, it's not the film's fault. It's a, it's a quality, well-made film. It's, it's very meditative. It is. It is. But that is not the film we're discussing today. 
What yeah, film well, are we discussing today? Uh, we're talking about uh, the the landmark classic from uh, Jimmy Cameron. Jimmy, Jimmy, Cam- Jimmy Cameron. <laughs> uh, well, Titanic. Jimmy. Titanic, 1997. James Cameron's epic. Yeah, if I recall, that was the year you were born. It was the year I was born. All right. So that dives into my first question, your history with the film. I was about a month old when this movie came out. Uh, uh, what, what time of year did it come out? December, December 1997. So I was conceived at that point. <laughs> As someone born in March. You were conceived four months early. I was at, I was <laughs> conceived by that point. Okay, okay. I didn't You're, say at that point. I, I see, said I see. By that point. I apologize. I apologize. I was very wrong. Very, very important distinction. Yes, yes. Uh, I believe neither of us have seen this movie in full until this week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, so there's like a couple times where it's on TV, and then like my dad's like, oh, this is the part where that happens. You know, like that beautiful moment when, like, the entire thing just goes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you've never seen in full, just no, to get no. <laughs> and you've just seen bits and pieces, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, I also have never seen it. I've only seen bits and pieces from like when YouTube videos would reference them, and like when they're trying to make a joke. And then they, they'll cut to like a scene and that's it. How, how many of them reference the... Um, none of them reference the... Sorry, was that a little, was that a little too much? I think, I think it uh, represents the ocean waters rather. Yeah. The ocean water is also the scene where they're spitting. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's representing. Um, but yeah, this is arguably one of the, the biggest film of all time, I think. I mean, um, it's the first one. To break billion. Looking at some of the numbers, um, it at the time was the most expensive film ever made with a budget of $200 million. Um, it had a re-release in 2012. Do you know why it was released in 2012? Was it like the 100-year anniversary it of was. the Titanic? It was the 100th-year anniversary of the Titanic. And so they re-released it in 3D. Do I get a cookie for getting that right? Um, like, a, like a computer cookie. Like, as long as you don't clear them, you're going to get the cookie. But that just saved so much stuff on the. It's I'm just sorry. so much clutter. I'm sorry. That's, that's all I got. Um, so, yes, in its original run, its original run, it had a domestic gross of about $600 million, a foreign gross of $1.2 billion for a total of $1.8 billion, became the very first film to cross the billion dollar mark. Um, with its re-release in 2012, it upped the total to $2.1 billion. Um, and a couple tiny re-releases. It's, it's just on the verge of $2.2 billion. The second film to ever uh, hit the $2 billion mark. It is now number... Oh, I should know this number. Is it, it's either three or four in the highest of all time. Um, it's... It, was number one at the box office for 15 consecutive weeks. It is currently number three. Currently number three. Thank you for the fact check. Um, but yes, 15 consecutive weeks. To put that into, uh, into, into 
perspective. Perspective. Thank you. Um, Avengers Endgame is currently the highest grossing film of all time. Only had three weeks at number one. Force Awakens is the highest grossing domestic film of all time. Had four weeks at number one. Titanic, 15 consecutive weeks. Literally the only film to ever do that. Um, I mean, at that point, it seemed like people were uh, watching Titanic the way they're listening to music these days. Yeah. Once you're done, play that again. Play it again. Once you're done with three and a half hours of your life. Exactly. Play it again. (laughs) Do you know what people were doing in 1997? I don't. Um, Taking care of me, bringing my mother to the hospital on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then after you were born, they decided to watch Titanic many times. (laughs) After I was born, they waited a month and then watched Titanic. Um, I think... People can only go to the movies so often once they have child. <laughs> once they have child. When they have children, then they can go a lot more times because they're used to it. But when they have child, only so many times. Well, I mean, with children, you could have one look at the other. Wow. Look after. <laughs> look at. We're just staring straight at you. Child, do not leave. I am your older sibling. I mean, that's the perfect way to make sure neither of them get in trouble. Just have them stare at each other the entire time. <laughs> Uh, um, I think uh, of, uh, uh, an important thing to note because uh, compared to the later films we're not going to see this not only was it a financial success critically it was uh, beloved and award season wise it swept just about everything um, at the Oscars specifically it set the record uh, tied the record for most nominations with 14 nominations only three other two other films have done that which were which were all about Eve and one of my favorites, La La Land. All 14 nominations. And then it has, it won 11 wins, which again tied for the most. You know, only two other films have done that the original Ben Hur and a film we'll talk about later, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. But really. But later just, next week. Later, yeah. <laughs> that is later. That is how time works. There are clocks in this movie. I understand how time works. Oh, yeah, there was a clock. There was a clock. There was a clock. I thought clocks were more important because I just watched Stranger Than Fiction, which had a lot of clocks in them. That was also a pretty good movie. It was a very good movie. (laughs) If only it made a billion (laughs) dollars. But no, we're talking about Titanic, a film that really just swept the world. Um, And I don't think any film has done it in the same way. Um. What is your history with James Cameron? Uh, I've seen some of his movies that did not sweep awards. And, okay. What are, I saw one that did. What are those movies? Uh, I saw Schindler's List. Nope. Wrong director. Right. James Cameron. Wow. We spoke about that director in <laughs> episode zero, which you may or yes, may not see. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, wow. My brain went blank. <laughs> All right. um, James Cameron. I saw the first Alien, but not the second. <laughs> oh, you saw the one he didn't direct. Correct. Uh, I've seen Avatar. Okay. I've seen Avatar. Uh, I didn't see the Terminators. Okay. 
I'm pulling up the list of movies here. Yeah, I'm, I'm on his Wikipedia page. The main ones it brings up are Piranha 2, which I don't think either of us have seen. Uh, I watched the first Terminator for the first time recently, so there's that. I also just watched Aliens for the first time recently, just how it happenstands. Um, the Abyss, Terminator 2, I haven't done yet. True Lies, Ghost of the Abyss, I don't know what that is. Aliens of the Deep, and Avatar. Um, he's an interesting director because... He doesn't have that many films, and yet there's such lasting appeal to so many of them. Yeah, I think the only one I've seen is Avatar before this. That's fine. That's fine. Um, How about, uh, what's your thoughts on Leo and or Kate Winslet? They are in the film. They are in the film. Uh, Great actors. I very much enjoyed their performances. They were very solid. providing i think they provided the right tone for the movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's not trying to be acting acting in that sense of like showing the anguish necessarily it's more like it's a bit uh comic like blown up a little bit the emotionality a little exaggerated right yeah 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 i have a question uh just just to start off general thoughts on the film how do you feel about it as a whole? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was surprised that it was able to uh, keep a consistent tone considering the shifts in terms of uh, type of story it was telling. Sure, sure. Like it was going for an inverse Bollywood thing where it was... Uh... So in Bollywood movies, they like to... In- like the big, big Bollywood movies, they like to incorporate every type of movie into one and let the genre dictate how it's directed for the scene okay whereas in this movie it seemed like they were trying to grab at every single genre but make it fit into one cohesive Mm. like cohesive vision sure sure i could see that does it surprise you that i was bawling during this film it it does not because you cry a lot at films does it surprise you that i bawled twice in this film Okay, let me see if I could guess the scenes. Okay, cool, cool. This is a fun game. When did Christian cry this time? Okay, so you definitely cried when Leo was frozen at the end. Um, it was more of when they were on when he first put her her on the door and they were together. But but that's about the same. That's about the same. Okay. Uh, the second one. Hmm. This one's a little trickier. This is the bigger cry. I was not ready for this. Interesting. Uh, it was obviously when uh, Fabrizio was punched. <laughs> <laughs> not when the giant thing falls down on him and squashes him. Not when he's punched. When is he even punched? Does does um the the fiance punch him? I believe so. Okay. Or no no no. It was uh one of the guards when they were like at the door. Sure. Oh yes 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 yes. Yes, oh, fuck that that messed with me. No, um it was the Wait, wait, wait. wait. That was a, that was a fake guess. I'm I that was a fake guess. Okay, go on. That was a fake guess. Okay, the real guess is uh when the when the boy when the fiance planted the uh medallion sorry, the necklace upon Leonardo DiCaprio. No, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Then uh, correct me. 
So first off, I think we were just assuming everyone knows the plot of Titanic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll get we'll put a pin in it, and we'll return to the pin after. So for those of you who don't know, Titanic is the story is is basically this love story on the ship, this ship that famously was supposed to never sink, did end up sinking after it hit an iceberg, and um, spoiler warning. Spoiler also. warning. Obviously, obviously. And so it's it's them the them just trying to keep their love alive after all this happens. I think that's a fair summary of it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I when mean, I, there's also like the class struggle is very important in terms sure. of remarking upon the plot of the film. Sure, sure. There's class struggle because he Leonardo DiCaprio's um, Jack is is a poor man. He's Kate, poor boy McGee. Kate Winslet's Rose, very rich. Very high class. Actually, I don't know if she's rich anymore. She's high class, though. Yeah, that's the point. Like she was, she was being, she was engaged to this dude. She was marrying for money. Yes, yes. Because they used to have money and then they lost it. Um. Yeah. Um. So back to where I cried. Mm-hmm. There was this wonderful sequence when the ship is going down and the band disbands, and then one starts playing, and then they play near. Well, hold on. so so the others see that one person playing. Yeah, they decide yeah. to all play together, and that got me a little verklempt. I think is the word. I was verklempt. I was feeling stuff. I believe. I'm that's... gonna look up the definition for that. Verklempt. <laughs> stuff. Anyways, so they start. Uh, yes, that 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 works. Awesome. Overcome awesome. with emotion, you win awesome. the uh, SAT word of the day. Do I get a cookie? <laughs> sure, yeah. an internet cookie. Um, but anyway, so so it, it it starts with them and they start playing and then cut to this montage of Victor Garber, who was the dude who, who built the ship, standing uh in the room by himself, just kind of taking in the It the was ship. the dining room, right? Yes, yes. And then it was cut to that couple who's laying in the bed together, kind of comforting each other, and then cut to the mom reading to the kids, telling them a story to get them to and it's just Trying to find peace when you know the inevitable inevitable is coming. It's also great because that montage made me think: if this was a Marvel movie, Stan Lee would have shown up during that. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I was blown away by how much I'd enjoy this movie. Um, there were moments. The the thing with the movie this iconic is that there are moments you know without seeing it yeah and so when you finally watch it it feels like it's a bit of a parody of itself yeah where like you know the scene by reputation so it's like you know what's going to happen even though you haven't seen it before so it's like just going through the motions of seeing it yes but i i found that for example Mm -hmm. um the i'm the king of the world right which i am probably misquoting Um, no yeah you're you're right um it started off like, oh, I know where this is going. And then as, the, as James Horner's score swelled and built up, I was like, oh, I got the goosebumps. That's a good scene. I see why people love it. And then when he's holding her at the... At the which I thought those were, two scenes were together. I thought they were combined. I didn't realize they were two separate scenes. Um, but when he's holding her and she's like, oh, I'm flying. I'm like, yes, you are flying, Kate Winslet. <laughs> you are flying. You are a magnificent actress and i love watching you work you know they say acting is uh making someone believe a false reality 
in that moment, she was making us believe that she believed a false reality. Whoa. It's like three layers deeper over there. Wow. That's a masterful analysis that you'll find only on the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Which you know because you are here. Think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I was kind of blown away by how much I ended up loving it. I was enthralled once the ship started going down. And, and it's that thing of, I never thought I'd watch this movie because of the length. And right. I started and I found that I never even felt like it was three hours. It just moved so well and so quickly and, and, and fluidly. I'll be honest, the very beginning of the movie felt a little slow for me. The pre-flashback? Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. But like, it was also interesting that how they were able to pull off the like classic Hitchcock thing, like he, what he did with Psycho, where he literally went through every single scene and presented it in the most mundane way possible, all the twists. And then you see it and it still gets you. Can you elaborate on that? Because I, I, I generally was... So at the beginning of this movie, there's the guy who explains what happened with the shipwreck of the Titanic. I see, like I see, I see. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, it's the most like sort of bland explanation you could get, just like rote scientific explanation. Mm-hmm. And like, it tells you what's going to happen with the ship mm-hmm. in like certain terms. Like at this time, it started, it hit the iceberg two hours later it started to tip over and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but once you get to that scene in the movie itself it still feels fresh yeah even though you know what's gonna happen that kind of plays into at the end when the the guy who starts the navigation looking for the heart of the sea or uh that's what it's called right the heart of the sea yeah um and he's talking to uh rose's granddaughter and he's like three years i've been looking for the titanic I didn't get it till now. I think I, that's, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's an odd film for me personally, because I find that Cameron in a lot of his films are, is very surface level. It's very much playing with the tropes and, and it's very obvious who's the hero, who's the villain. There's the glove interest, but in in using that to kind of set up the dots, it it connects really quickly, and so it 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 hits you harder, I guess. It's like he's using the tropes, but he's also like heightening the emotional impact of it all by presenting it in this historical uh, disaster. Yeah, and like by presenting the characters in those certain terms during the first half it lets you know exactly what the stakes are once things actually start going downhill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what do i bring up i have so many notes i have so many look at my notes oh you can't because it's all bright hold on let me, let me, let me, yeah let me look at my bright, bright screen look yeah so many so many notes so many notes i haven't even looked at them since i read um I, 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 I love the start of, well, actually, I, it has a weird start because it starts with the, like a, a kind of gray uh, stock, not stock footage, but footage of people saying bye to the ship as it, as it right. goes on. Yeah. 
and then it moves into um it's like undersea right it goes yes. through space understand yes. that yeah yeah, yeah. Because I, the very first scene is them ex- excavating the safe yeah and and i love that there's a sense of scale in the ex- excavation I, I very much what this movie is is here's something you probably know from the history books, but let's dig deeper and remember that there are humans. Let's remember the stakes and not just numbers. It's this actually happened to people and it's affected people. And so, yeah, they, they say how many people died. They were like, hey, only like 1,500 were drowning and only six survived. And that's a stat you normally read. But when you see it, you see the grand scale of all the people out in the water at the end, it, 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 it becomes a human thing again. Right. Yeah. Uh, I agree. <laughs> um, um, so let's talk about the love interest itself, like the romance back and Rose? of the story. Yes. Yes. Okay. What okay. are your thoughts about that? Um, I was swept up in the in in the relationship, but I also so side tangent. I I always thought it was odd that this film had fourteen Oscar nominations, but didn't get Leonardo DiCaprio nominated for Best Actor. That always seemed like an odd thing. The biggest movie of all time. He's a gigantic movie star now. This made him the A list that he is. Why didn't he get nominated? So I'm watching this movie, and I, I am very much enjoying his performance. He's charming. He's sweet. He's kind. There's a softness that he brings to it at points that I think uh, such an epic film needs to feel more human. Right. But I found his character to feel like Mary Poppins in that he's there to help Kate Winslet's Rose evolve and have an arc he's almost like a manic a manic pixie dream girl manic pixie dream boy yes yes dream boy um because there's no real arc to jack right yeah not really uh i guess it's him nope nope there's there's nothing there it's it's very much him teaching her how to live how to feel alive which isn't a bad thing but I think it, it, I wasn't expecting that from this film. It very much felt like if they both survived, they would have had a fight in one week and broken up. <laughs> but because it was such a tragic thing, he lives on in her memory. Right, right. Yeah, that, that brings up a good point as to one thing I had. Like, I get the idea of what they were going for, but whenever they went into like the whole ideas, like when they kept saying stuff like I'll always love you or stuff like that, it felt like it needed to happen for the plot, but it's not necessarily where the characters were for me. I have a a question for you. Okay. That I had thinking up. Um, How old are these characters? I think, I'm, I'm, I'm she was up. 17. She I was 17? That. They yes. say that? Yes, they say she's 17. Okay. And so he's probably in the same age? Uh, About, right? I'd assume he's at least 18 because he was drinking. He's 20. He's 20 according to Wikipedia. Okay. Um, so first note, I'm watching this. I'm like, 
Leo looks a lot younger, but Kate Winslet still looks the same. Good for her. <laughs> Good for you, Kate Winslet. But um, yeah, I was watching this and I got hints of Romeo and Juliet. The star-crossed lovers, they shouldn't be in love, but they are, and they're fighting against it. And that love at first sight thing that seems so fake and like it never lasts, um, I think that's very much in this movie since it takes place over, what, three days maybe at most? Right, yeah. Also, note about how I relate to... uh, I guess love in movies. Hmm. I'm very much uh, very. It takes a lot for me to buy into a romance. Sure, sure. Like, yeah, I got the uh, initial. I I do think they had chemistry, but I oh, I yeah. don't know if it was that much. Well, I had I had a note here. Um, she was charmed by him, right? She yes. was charmed by, but. He, yeah, I don't know what he saw in her. <laughs> no, no offense to Kate Winslet. No, I said her last name so weird there. Um, no offense to Kate Winslet. No offense to the character Rose, but it just was. I look at her as she walks on the deck. There is this golden glow around her. She looks angelic. I'm in love. Yeah, that's it. That's literally it. Like. That first scene where he sees her, that's the beginning and end of his character arc. Yeah. And like, I get it, Kate Winslet, but also as, as a story, <laughs> not much there. I get he, he seems almost fictional. Like, it is fictional, but he, he seems almost mystical. Yeah, it's, but it's also interesting that uh, it almost feels like it's glorifying the lower class in that sense. Oh, it, it, it does a little, obviously. Yeah. But like, tangent. Yes. I feel so bad for Fabrizio. Oh, Fabrizio got so... Like, he didn't even get a last name. No. Well, I was, <laughs> I was bothered that he and Jack seems to be, seem to be friends. They get on this boat together. And after they get on the boat, they speak like once for the rest of the movie. Like, there was never a scene where they like, introduced them to each other. He shows up dancing with some random girl, which is like, good for you, Fabrizio. You do you. But like, Fabrizio seemed really cool. I, I just genuinely feel bad for him because like every single other character gets a last name except Fabrizio. Is that true? <laughs> Wait, let me check Wikipedia. Maybe Fabrizio's name just wasn't mentioned. Um, yep, yep, yep. I'm yeah. pretty sure. It's, yeah, you're right. You're right. Just, just Fabrizio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, um, but yeah, so I, I was swept up in the romance. I understand why everyone loves it. I understand why Leo became this crush for every girl because he's literally a perfect human being in this film. Yeah. But I also understand like, uh, why the studios were a little apprehensive or scared Mm. before it was released because like. Think about it. You have a director who's who's made some great films in the past, but like he's going for this hodgepodge of ideas that you don't necessarily know if it's going to coalesce, and it's over three hours. And to add to that, this film sticks out like a sore thr- a sore thumb in James Cameron's filmography. 
a love story from the dude who did Aliens, Terminator, uh, True Romance, right? I mean, like, True Romance, it's in the title, bro. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but it, totally, it just seems so off and Oh, different. wait, it's, it's called True Lies, not True Romance. Frick, True Romance is a different movie. Uh, that's why I asked if it was right, because I knew there was a 50-50 shot I was wrong. But um, yeah, it's just, it seems like an odd film for him to do, where the main arc is, is this woman trying to figure out how to be a woman, her own person. Like right. there's a there's a part of me that's like, what if a, a, there was a female director doing this? How would that be different? How would Kate Winslet be her character change? Because because it is odd that James Cameron is like, hey, this girl, she's being oppressed by her man. <laughs> she's being oppressed by money. <laughs> she needs to fight against the quo, the status quo. Like, honestly, it's so ridiculous. It felt like at certain points, her fiancé might as well have just, like, bitch slapped her with, like, a wad of hundreds. <laughs> he, he did hit her. Yeah, but, like, not with money, though. I see he might as well have, though. <laughs> I hated that. That's see, I, I mean, but, like, that's the point. Yeah. There's a bit of... So, I, I have this note about the opening where the score comes in while they're underwater and it felt kind of mystical and also like romantic. Kind of this rose-tinted lens just from the music. I think right. you get that from um, Rose's telling of the story. Yeah. And so that may be why um, Jack seems perfect. That may be why um, the fiancé, who, whose name I choose to not remember, I will not acknowledge pieces of shits. Um, why he's so extremely evil. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that does make sense. Um, I want to talk about one other character. Go on, go uh, on. I forget the character's name, but it was, she was played by Kathy Bates. Okay. So, <laughs> so Kathy Bates played, the character is, um, I just want to make sure I have it all right. Because although most of the characters are fictional, she played a real character, a real right, person. Right, right. Margaret Molly Brown, known better as the unsinkable Molly Brown. Mm-hmm. According to Wikipedia, she unsuccessfully encouraged the crew in lifeboat number six to return to the debris of the 1916 sinking of the RMS Titanic to look for survivors. Um, she is also the subject of a Broadway musical called The Unsinkable Molly Brown. In a film starring Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. Singing in the Rain. See, uh, I thought Debbie Ryan. <laughs> both have been on Disney. Debbie Ryan <laughs> like on Deck and Jesse. Debbie Reynolds for the Halloween Town franchise. Huh. Hmm. Um, why, why did you want to bring up uh, Molly Brown? I don't know. It's, her character just seemed like... It was scandalous, just the way she uh, used her status. And it was just fun watching her interact with the other hoity-toity people. <laughs> well, she, she is the link. I got the sense that she came into this money, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't more money, so she is the link between Jack and, and these higher-class people. Right, um, right. 
I found it odd that it was Kathy Bates. No offense to Kathy Bates. She's wonderful. It just seemed like a random place to put her. I mean, she, she did amazing. I was going to say, did she die? No, she gets on the boat. That's You literally just <laughs> explained the story. <laughs> um, but no, she's a wonderful presence in the film as well. Um, it, she also wasn't going for something really realistic. It was, uh, it was a bit campy, and I liked that. I found her accent and um, Rose's accent to feel a little campy, but also maybe it's just because my brain associates that with campiness, campiness now. I like honestly it, just feel like her specifically, she, she was campy. Really? Yeah. There is a vibrancy to her that none of the other characters had. Right. And so maybe that uh, led to the quote-unquote campiness. But um, I enjoyed her performance. I enjoyed very much, um, I got her name right, Gloria Stewart. Gloria Stewart played the, uh, the older Rose. Ah, okay. Cool. Um, she went on to be nominated for an Oscar and win a SAC award for this. I found that, I find that, uh, I've mentioned before, Cameron's scripts feel very surface level a lot of the times. But I've, he knew the right times to do a close-up on her. Hmm. You could see her start to tell the story and then every emotion washes through her face, through her eyes, and you just feel everything as she's thinking back to it. I but mean, she, that's why the it's been 84 years has been s- such a prevalent gif in our time. Has it? Am I, am I missing something obvious? Yeah, just the, the image of... Uh, you don't remember that scene from the movie? Oh, I do. But uh, is this like a meme people use nowadays? Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's why. But um, I thought she was terrific, incredible, um, and probably would be my favorite if she was in more of the movie. Hmm. The role is just simply not in the movie that often, but she was wonderful. I loved. Uh, so then, who would be your favorite? Um, can I pick the iceberg? No, um, I, I, I do think Kate Winslet did a, a phenomenal job in the role. I, it, it is very much held back early on because the character is. But I found uh, like the scene where the fiancé, uh, Cal, I'll just say that so I, I can stop saying fiancé, when he's first trying to get her on the boat and she finally like pulls back and like comes out at him and the mom. Um, it wasn't... It, it was phenomenally well done. I got the intent. There was a fire to her, but also a softness to it, as if it is someone doing this for the first time. And that blend of emotion was is, was terrific. Uh, her on the door. It's, it is a door she's on, right? At the end, uh, I think it's like a wardrobe door. Okay, okay. Um, uh, there's there's this desperation, this fear. It blends well, but also just being this girl having fun. She does so wonderfully. Um, her and Leo, right before they're spitting off the side of the boat, was <laughs> just so warm and and delightful and cheery. And she really just did a terrific job with the role. Mm-hmm. Someone should think of hiring her for another role. Yeah, maybe one of these days. Maybe, maybe one of these days. Maybe one of these days she'll have like another four nominations and a win. Maybe. 
let me check. She does. She does have. She has a win yeah, well, for I, I assume that, but like, I don't I'm know. Trying if, to see what she would have gotten it for. The reader. I don't know what that is. Everyone's made sure. a film. The reader. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, what were your standouts? Uh, Fabrizio. Obviously, obviously. I, I genuinely loved him. He he had such a uh, great, happy personality. Yeah. Like, he lit up the room every time he showed up. Oh, yeah. He very much was a ball of delight every time he's on screen. Uh, let me get the actor's name just so we're not... Was he the only minority? <laughs> See, that's another question I was going to have. <laughs> uh, Fabrizio, played by Danny Nucci. He's Italian. Yeah, Does that's that the count? other thing. Like, <laughs> Does that count? He was definitely othered. You know, being I the think... only one without a last name. Yes. The only one with a, like name that has a little spice to it there was that family that i think rose passes by when she's looking for jack and they have like the books i could, they felt like they were looking for the translation as they figure out the sign it was trying to figure out which way to go because they were speaking a different language they weren't speaking oh right, right right yeah all all the actual minorities were like in like two seconds yeah i'll be honest i was ready to be mad at this movie for not having minorities but i didn't realize the ship was like a british ship so like, oh, I guess you you, you won again, Cameron. <laughs> um, is this the most beloved movie to kill a child? Which child? So there's this scene where they find that kid in the hallway, and the door is about to burst open from the water. So they go to take the kid, but then like the dad comes out of nowhere and takes the kid back and runs toward the. To toward the door that's about to So burst. the thing is, we don't actually see the kid being murdered, so it doesn't count. But you see the water coming in and flooding the entire hallway as they try to run away. But you don't. The only murder you actually see is with the gun and then the guy killing himself. Oh, God. That <laughs> hit me. That hit me. The guy was just trying to do his job. He was just trying to bring order, and then he messed up. Listen, man, a cab. God, he wasn't a cop. <laughs> he was. He cop. might as well have been. There was a cop, and he was a piece <laughs> of shit. God, oh, everyone realizing they're coming to their death hit me hard. Him, and then he shoots himself in 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 eye, uh, and then the 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 captain who was Bill Paxton, I believe. No, no, no Bill Paxton was not the captain. I apologize for that. Captain was. I am looking Bernard Hill. Mm-hmm. When he walks into the ship at the end and just kind of takes his place at the wheel. Well, you know, a captain always goes down with their ship. Yeah, that hit hard. Victor Garber in, in the dining room, he was, he was the dude who built the ship. That hit me. I got hit by a lot of stuff in this movie. I was very sad. It was very, very sad. Um, so for me, like during the whole uh, ship going, uh, the individual, like, I didn't buy the connection between Rose and Jack as much in that moment. Really? We're talking about the sinking itself. Not, like, yes. Not, not the slow sinking, but like when it starts down and goes in the ocean. No, no, no. no. I'm talking about the entire second half. Really? I mean, I get that, like, she wanted to help him like live because she knew he was going to die 
if she didn't do anything about it. But like, I did not buy the undying love from that point onward. It's basically from from after they have sex onward. I didn't like buy the connection being that deep. Well, I, 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 I. So I, I think about this idea not not them having sex. That's not what I'm going with. I apologize if any viewer or listener thought I was going in that direction. Uh, we may bring up that topic later on because it is a prominent part of the film. But um, this idea that I think you'll see often in apocalyptic movies, zombie apocalypses especially, but I found in this disaster film where it's evidence life and death it popped up. This, 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 the difference between living and being alive. And she, she was living, and she was living this life. She was engaged to this man, but she didn't like anything. She felt dead on the inside. She was just smiling because she had to. But with Jack, she felt alive. She was enjoying life. She was having fun. She was, she, she, she was alive. And so it, 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 is, it did seem odd that she would give up. She seemingly would give up uh, a chance to escape for this one dude. But she would escape into this time where she felt like she had no control. And so I found that to be enough of a motivation, a believable enough motivation for her to do this thing, or to go downstairs, find the axe, chop off the, 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 the handcuffs, which I thought they were going to do a 127 hours thing. I was ready for that. Um, and yeah, just, just to go on with this dude, because that's the only time she felt alive. Again, it's this weird thing for me where like I buy the motivation to do all that. I just don't buy necessarily the way they interacted while I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just I just don't like romance. There we it, go. It is <laughs> it is hard to feel romantic when you're just yelling at each other to move and get out of the way of stuff. <laughs> Which is like all the dialogue for a good half hour of that movie is just get out, get out of the water, swim fast, you know. Which that I bought. <laughs> the fear. The fear. Um I'm just looking at my notes right here. I brought also, up- I'm surprised at how much the uh, special effects overall held up for the most part. Yes. Yes, I did want to bring that up because, um, again, I watched Aliens and Terminator recently. And sure, they're both 80s movies, but those effects don't hold up really at all. Yeah, especially, I've, I've seen clips of uh, Terminator that, like, where the robots look very, like, liquidy. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen T2 yet, so I don't know about that. But, um, but no, they, they, from the beginning, again, the initial uh, scouring deep into the sea and you see them in their like little submarine thing. And like, I get a sense of the scale, I get a sense of the epicness of this. And yeah, I, did you, it, yeah, it, it just held up throughout the entire film, right? Well, for me, there was like, towards the end, uh, there was like a brief moment where like I was like that's a sound stage yeah <laughs> but like that didn't take me out of it necessarily I had that in when they would do close ups up for them and all you see behind them is the sky I think right. that I got a couple of times but like it never took me out of it which right. same 
for a 23 year old film that's that's incredible when it is all the uh, visual computer effects yeah like the water rushing through the lower decks and stuff like that that looked amazing yeah well uh then that that i i do i am curious into how much the water was practical effects versus versus computer effects i mean there were some moments where i could kind of tell mm. that it was like a uh, computer sure. like the, it was just a little too clean okay okay I'm sorry, they were high-class people. It was very clean down there, okay? Down there? The lower decks. <laughs> Rich yeah. people didn't go to the lower decks. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, one of those scenes that is just so iconic and the, the lines stick out that you assume you know what you're going to get until you see it is when he uh, sketches her. Uh, um, the paint me like one of your French yeah. girls. Well, I I always just assume it's like a little seductive little thing, like paint me like one of your. Speaking of the French girls, I that's the thing. That's my sticking point in terms of Jack's character. I don't buy that he finds this woman that interesting, considering all the people he's met. <laughs> I feel like you're just insulting Kate Winslet and Rose right now. Listen, she she's a good actress, but like. Come on. <laughs> but no, you're right. Again, it's just that he sees her and he's like, I'm in love with you. Yeah. Again, very Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> um, it bothered me that he showed her all his sketches and there's so many breasts. And she was like, Listen, this is that's fine. art. Okay. That's she, art. She was like, this is fine. I'm not weirded out by this book with breasts that you carry with you she knows art she likes monet and picasso picasso that was not monet (laughs) (laughs) i did like they had to throw that thing where it's like they'll go to the past and and it's like this this person will never be anything this picasso it's like oh i know who that is not not a very distinguished person it seems no not distinguished at all (laughs) Oh. Um, oh, also another thing that kind of, this is all very nitpicky at this point. Wait, can I go back to the to the sketches? Okay, go. I don't think I finished my point about that. Um, yeah, she said that line in like a commanding way, which is very interesting for Rose at that point. In that she's she has yet to really take charge, and so it wasn't like a a, a question, more so as a demand, which I found shocking with how how often that line is referenced. And then the sketch sequence itself is, uh, I don't think we've ever seen such uh, sexy art in cinemas since. I mean, you're the one who really... With the exception of (laughs) Portrait of the Lady on Fire. (laughs) That's what I was about to bring up. (laughs) And the invention of Rule 34. But um, yeah, it, it, it it was... tender and intimate and 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 there's a lot of tension i thought it was a very well done scene that's all i got on the scene we don't have to talk about we can move I'm on trying to remember what my nitpick was at this point i was gonna say something first you dislike portrait of a lady on fire then you nitpick listen you're also nitpicking right now don't you <laughs> Well, I, I, I wanted to bring up this thing with you um, 
going to the character of Cal again, the character I don't like. First off, he has a weird face. He looked like a poorly animated DreamWorks character. <laughs> it was the first the draft. Eyebrows. It's the eyebrows. It is the eyebrows. <laughs> it was the first draft of Prince Charming from the Shrek franchise. Um, <laughs> he's such a prideful man. And pride and hubris. I fucking hate pride and hubris. And it's well, so that, prevalent. That was his downfall. It was everyone's downfall. Him, the dude who told the captain to go faster for the headlines. I, I remembered my nitpick, if I could uh, put that on, out there. Go on. When did Jack see a Picasso before did, that day? Did he say he saw Picasso? He was like, oh, yeah, I know him. He's great. <laughs> Either in his travels or him just trying to fit in? Like, he never... There was that scene where he was like doing the whole high society thing and you could tell it was his first time. Yeah. So when did he come across a Picasso? <laughs> Again, is, is there not an element of faking it until you make it? But that was just him and Rose. And that was during the scene where he was going to paint her or draw her. So like they were already pretty intimate with each other. Okay. I mean, again, this is a nitpick. No, no, that's true. He probably traveled. Traveled around the world. Yeah, but like... I don't know if he would have... Like, Picasso would have been in museums like that yet. Maybe he's friends with Picasso. He's a mystical being. He can do anything. I mean, at that point, he could have been like, Yo, Picasso, he's my dog. I could have gotten you a, a cheaper rate on this one. <laughs> no, they said it was pretty cheap. <laughs> that it was pretty cheap already. They don't need a cheaper rate. Um, going back to nitpicks. Rose sees people arm wrestling and decides that standing on her toes is the equivalent. Not well, that I it's, mean, it's impressive in its own way. I guess what she was saying is if I could use my foot to arm wrestle you, you would not stand a chance. Is that a deleted scene we just did not get? <laughs> her with her foot up on the table trying to... <laughs> Which, to be fair, that should go without saying. Foot is stronger than hand. Oh, yes, yes. Foot greater than hand. Because, you know, you got more surface area. You got a lot more to work with. Did I just measure my hand against my foot to see which one I mean, is bigger? Yes. We can see that happening on screen right now. <laughs> for, for the listeners at home... I just turned down, looked at my foot, placed my hand against said foot. Placed the palm against the palm. Yes, yes, yes. And went, whoa, this wasn't even a contest. Why am I this dumb? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where like someone says, yo, did you know that if your hand is bigger than your head, you have cancer? <laughs> And then you do it. And then someone smacks your hand against your face. Yes, yes. Like, you know it's going to be bigger, but, like, you got to check anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, going through my notes to see if there's anything else I want to note or bring up. Um, do, 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 do. do you have any other things to bring up? I, I liked when she flipped the bird. 
When was this again? She was like, they were like going, when they're being chased by the cop guy and they get to the elevator and they go down. I was like, that's out of nowhere and I enjoyed this very much. Also, that's another thing. I genuinely don't understand why the cop was so loyal to him. No, that I did not get. <laughs> You're right. Why did he commit so much? Like, I understand for the money, but once it started sinking, like, he knew what was done. But, like, also, why did he hate Jack so much? He had no personal investment in, like, that dude and Rose marrying. Did he... How does he die? They don't show him dying, do they? I don't recall. Interesting. Interesting. We'll never know. But yeah, I mean, it probably is there, but it's in the montage of where they show all the people that were like had many lines in the movie dying, so it's like just faded in with all the rest. Sure. But yeah, he—that's another case of Cameron just taking these kind of two-dimensional characters, throwing them in there. And there's no real motivation. They kind of just serve the plot. So I haven't seen Les Mis. <laughs> okay. I don't know what Les Mis has to do with anything, but go on. But like, from what I've heard about these characters, it seems like the uh, Russell Crowe in that film, like it's the similar sort of character and their persistence in going after this person. <laughs> on that base level, I guess? <laughs> Let's ignore that Russell Crowe is a man of the law and wants to hold, hold up the law and the rules. And Hugh Jackman's like, oh, I broke one rule. It did nothing. Why are you on me? And he's like, yeah, you broke. Oh! That's my Russell Crowe impression. Honestly, I saw a clip of that. For some reason, the net, you know how Netflix shows like a clip of the movie when yeah. you like hover over it? It showed the clip of him if Russell Crowe and like Hugh Jackman and like he's talking to uh, Hugh Jackman it's like you're being let go but like you're always going to be watched and like they're singing back and forth they chose that as the part of the movie those clips are never good they choose the most <laughs> random clips from anything when you're on I God love that damn. they chose Russell Crowe like he was the star I feel so bad for Russell Crowe in retrospect there's a clip online so that year at the Oscars, they, the Lay's Miz cast performed and sang some songs, right? And so someone uploaded this video of their rehearsal. And so it's the, it's the main cast in like the semicircle. And there's the conductor there conducting them. And so like Hugh Jackman starts singing Anne Hathaway, Manny Seyfried, Eddie Redmayne, et cetera, et cetera. And Russell Crowe starts and his timing's just off. Like he's, he's so off. He's late on and on, on keeping up with the pace. And then Helena Bohem Carter and Sasha Baron Cohen are right next to him. And Helena just keeps like glancing at him a bit. Like, really? And I'm just like, ah, oh, the dude got so much slack for that one role. I mean, I feel so bad because you know what? It doesn't work in like the Broadway style, but like you could tell his voice, he was singing in a rock style. <laughs> oh. Like sort of uh, like '90s arena rock, I think. What is what he was like presenting in that movie? Arena rock, like like U um, two, sure. <laughs> but with like a, a dash of ACDC in there. Oh, a dash, <laughs> a dash, just a, a sprinkle. Um. So back to Titanic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, the, uh, I've, I think I mentioned everything I want to say. Um, I think it's a brilliant piece of cinema. I understand why it's so popular and beloved. I was swept up in it. Three hours and 15 minutes just flew by. It's, it's quite the achievement. It's definitely like, it's, it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. You you keep bringing up Romeo and Juliet, and uh, I I think in terms of like what Shakespeare was going for, in in his time, this can be compared to like a modern Shakespeare. Yeah. In terms of like being a play for the masses, but also being this piece that could be held up many 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 generations later, even. We'll test that theory out in ninety three years. When we revisit this episode and record our thoughts. We will be here for that. Oh, yeah. We're going to be alive. We're going to be alive in 93 years. Yeah, but will the world? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the world will explode because like, oh, no. And then we're going to fly off on a spaceship. Uh, uh, uh. Us and the rest of America. Why Specifically I only why America. Did, why did I commit to that? <laughs> I'm going to regret that commitment. I made the choice that all of us are on spaceship. Oh no. And only America. Oh no. That's not good. Someone really only likes their country and hates everywhere else. Fuck. I think we only get Leo but not Kate. I mean it That's that's on you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry the rest of the world. You couldn't fit. We see we only had room for half of the population because then it would look like there's too crowded. So you can only have half of us. America is half the population of the world. I was trying to reference the movie. I was trying to make a reference. I'm sorry that America is, is, is America. Let's move on because you, you'll just keep digging deeper and deeper. So, so your final thoughts? Your final thoughts? I enjoyed the movie very much. Uh, my final thoughts is I would compare this to a modern Shakespeare. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. So that was a good talk about the film Titanic. And as though we both seem to think of this film very highly, no film is perfect. There's no such thing as perfection not. in art. What? what? 10 out of 10? That's a stupid number. We can make it better. So in this segment, we're going to improve the movie. All right. Juan, I think you should start off. How, okay. If you were able to change Titanic, how would you make it better? So... First of all, what I would do is I would pull an Avengers Endgame and re-release it with new footage. Wait! <laughs> so, 2012, they re-release it in 3D, yes? Yes. There's no changes besides the 3D conversion except for one thing. What? So when she's lying on the door, she's looking up and seeing the sky. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson called out James Cameron on that not being the correct way the sky would look from where she's laying. So he changes the stars in the sky and the constellations to be more uh, accurate. I hate how pedantic Neil deGrasse Tyson is. I, I, um, you know what? You're a good science man. That's, that's all fair and dandy. Shut up about film. <laughs> Please. Anyway, so go back to your, your re-release. Okay. So, so this is how we get Titanic back to number one. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. We, we pull the Avengers Endgame 
where they're like, oh, we're close, but we're not number one. So we got to like re-release it with new footage so that people come back. Sure, sure. And how we're going to do this is we're going to give what this movie is missing is a corporate antagonist. Okay. So early in the film, when Rose looks up at this boat, she's like, yeah, it's good, but it doesn't look bigger than the Mauritania. Okay. So uh, big boat nerds, big boat aficionados, feel free to call me out if it is the same company. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm confused. What, where do, what were these people called? You don't want to get the wrong boat aficionados. Knowers <laughs> uh, of facts about big boats. <laughs> Okay, go on. Uh, if I am wrong and uh, the Mauritania and the Titanic were made by the same company, call me out on this. I'll, I'll heart those comments. <laughs> but like, what if, what if the ocean cruise liner that created the Mauritania was like very upset that this, this new ship, the Titanic, this new big boat, the Titanic, <laughs> seems to be getting all this uh, praise for being the biggest boat. So they're like, you know what? We got to destroy that somehow. They created and planted the iceberg. <laughs> so so, so the iceberg is like a submarine. And the reason why they didn't see it until it's too late is because it actually emerged out of the water. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how does the movie end then? Um, once the wa- the ship has plummeted completely, you just see the person inside the iceberg saying, "My work is done," and then he <laughs> just goes back under the water. <laughs> <laughs> and then some like spy music starts, and then the guy goes down and sinks down back to his ship, and then like- and then we go back to uh, Jack and Rose on oh. the wardrobe. <laughs> Oh, so so you you set up the sequel. You set up the sequel yes. for another part. Wow, get people coming back for more. And like that—that's the added footage I would add in. So it's like an additional plot added on within these like fifteen twenty minutes. A very sudden subplot that's not <laughs> resolved at all, with no context. There's not even like a sign saying who it is. It's just a random dude. No, no, no. Like, obviously, there's going to be like a couple shots in the beginning where, like, this guy's in the background, like, y'all, you will see. Like, when the guy's hyping up the ship, there's just like someone in the background looking very grim and just like sinister. And it's like, what's going to happen with that? And then you see that it's like, oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. I think you should call up James Cameron and be like, hey, James, James. Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy? I got an idea. Because, like, as it stands, the iceberg is just sitting there. It is. It is. Like, there's nothing involved with the iceberg. We need I to never... give the iceberg some agency. I always thought that they, like, crash into the iceberg and then sink. But, no, they, like, collide and then sail for a bit and then sink. Which, yeah. Which surprised me. So how would you fix it? Kind of in a similar vein, you know. It's been 23 years the movie industry has evolved. Titanic 
great, great film, popular film. It needs to be a franchise, though. Everything needs to be a franchise. Everything needs to be in a cinematic universe nowadays. All right, so you make the money and you make more money. Exactly. And so I think about three hours, ten minutes, same exact film, right? And then we get to the point where uh, Rose, old Rose, played by Gloria Stewart, is standing and with the heart of the sea in her hands. She drops it into the ocean. She drops it mm-hmm. to be back where she was. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the necklace drops. And it's, it's a point of view of, uh, you see her reflection in the water as it kind of, you know, um, the water has waves. The waves go through her <laughs> reflection. Yeah, right. that, that's kind of how the ocean works. It has waves. Well, well after she drops, <laughs> drops the necklace, it creates more waves, right? Oh, you're talking about like the little uh, ripple yes, effect. Yes, the, the ripple, ripple effect. effect. Thank you, the ripples. She drops it. It lands on her reflection. Ripple, 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 ripple. What? Gloria Stewart. Gloria Stewart, why are you changing? What are you? You don't look like yourself anymore, Gloria Stewart. What? You've, you've become younger? Darker? Or what? Zoe Kravitz? Zoe Kravitz? What are you doing here? Yes, Zoe Kravitz's character, Letter Lestrange, from Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, is Rose. The last time she told her real story on the Titanic. Something happened? I don't know what, what happened. I, I forget what happens at the end of Grindelwald. Anyway, bad things happen. So she can no longer tell her true story of the Titanic. And so now she has crafted this new story. Mm-hmm. There's this new thing that happened in the Titanic. A new lens. Zoe Kravitz drops the necklace. Turns around. Who is it? Who is that there? Are, are, you, are you talking about Zoe Kravitz? Or the- yes, Zoe Kravitz turns around <laughs> and there's a figure there. Who is it? And it's Jackalus. <laughs> Jack, Jack. She turns around and someone goes, Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> Not the name of a character, yeah. specifically Zoe Kravitz. Yes, yes. Zoe Kravitz, by dropping the heart of the sea into the ocean, you are. A Dumbledore. And she's like, what? And a close-in, zoom in on her expression of confusion, fear, shock. Possibly turned on? Mm-hmm. Blackout. And then Zoe Kravitz will appear in the next Fantastic Beasts, thus connecting the Titanic and Fantastic Beasts franchises together and creating the recipe for money. So you connected it to Fantastic Beasts, a franchise which is dying. <laughs> I'm thinking like a studio head, all right? See, what, where I was going with it is I was thinking when you said he, she drops it into the water and she's changing. I thought she was like turning into dust and it's because of the (laughs) (laughs) that's the sequel it's in Titanic 2 when we get there we get there 
I'm gonna write that note down. I'm gonna write that down so when we do Titanic two. Side note, uh, two side notes. Number one, um, I'm pretty sure I've seen at Redbox Titanic two. Like some knockoff sequel. Oh, of course, of course. Come on. Um, uh, other note, going back to the film, I love the scene where it's they're showing the wreckage and it's going through the wreckage and then it turns into this rose tinted perfect version of the ship and it turns into her reuniting with Jack with everyone who who was lost there together. To me, it felt like a positive version of the Shining ending. I was going to go with the Lost ending. I don't know how Shining ends, but uh, I thought the Lost ending and, and I, I assume she's dead at the end, right? That's her joining them? Yes. Okay. I'll make sure. I mean, it's the same idea in The Shining, except it's a lot more negative because he's stuck there forever with all no. the demons as opposed to all her friends. It's like a labyrinth <laughs> or something. Oh, no, that's what the, is that what the picture is? Yes. Okay, I've seen the picture in Ready Player One and on Twitter, but I didn't know what exactly it is. Did, did you watch uh, Dr. Sleep? No, I did not. Because that, that sure expands the story of The Shining and makes things a lot more concrete. <laughs> I really want to say it expands the story of the picture, and that's it. I mean, it does that as well. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed the ways that we would improve this film. Jimmy C, call us, please. Email us at a billion dollar movie club at hotmail gmail yahoo yahoo dot net dot com dot org. We have that email, right? I sent uh, you the email to re- register that email, right? Uh, let, let me double check. Cool, cool. Just, just get, maybe get back to me later and then we'll figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll go round this out with one final segment where we rank the movies. We're going to rank the films that have made the billion dollar mark. Um, but both of us acknowledge that rankings are pretty dumb and arbitrary. Oh, of course. Of course they're arbitrary. So So let's make the most arbitrary ranking ever. Yes. Yes, very much so. So I I have the the most cockamamie uh, idea for this first one. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we'll figure out how to do it. I'm going to pick a number where I think I personally might rank it when I look at all the films. Um. So you have the list in front of you. No, I have a blank list right now. Okay. A, let me see, I'm going to screen share it, and let's see if it's picked up in Zoom. If not, then listeners, you will hear us describe it. So here's a list. Ranks 1 through 47, I believe, all empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pawn, I, I want you to give me a number from 1 to 47. Of where I'd place this movie. No, just, just a number from 1 to 47. Just any number. Yes, yes. Uh, 28. I think I'd rank it somewhere around 12. Okay. And so I'm going to open this new tab. Random number generator. You said 28, right? Yes. So max is 28. What do you think you would personally, what do you think it might personally end up being? Uh... Like what this random number is going to be? No, no. What you, you personally, where do you think you might put Titanic? Just for the hell of it. It's not going to be the official ranking. I, I, I'd, I'd slap it on 14. 14 I'd like slap it on there. 
I think mine might actually be more like eight, but I just, just for fun, I'll make it 12. So the minimum is 12, max 28. The number mm-hmm. we get is 19. Titanic is the 19th greatest film to ever make a billion dollars. And also, I'd like it noted now, once a film has been placed, it will not move. Oh, yeah. All, there's mo- no- all movies move around the ones yeah. that have been placed. Yeah, no moving. This is the firm placement based off of no knowledge of any of their films other than... Uh, uh, so, like, say we like a movie towards the end of the thing more than whatever is the first eight. If all first eight slots are filled, it has to be nine. Yeah. Say we only like eight movies more than Titanic. Well, I'm sorry. There's going to be, like, ten other movies in front of Titanic. Oh, there's going to be 18 other movies yeah. in front of Titanic. What can we do? That's just how the <laughs> list goes. I didn't make the rules, except that I did. Listen, we're not being arbitrary. We're being, uh, what's the word? I'm trying to think. What's the word? Arbitrary. We're, we're being rational. This is the rational answer. Because, you know, art is subjective, but how do you make it objective? You take away all opinion. Exactly. And what are you left with? Randomness. Yes. Randomness. Like a random number generator. So this is how, this is how, this is an objective ranking of the greatest movies of all time. That's a fact. Both of us, neither of us went to school for film specifically. Neither of us have directed a feature film. But this is a fact. But this is the objective fact. In fact, once we're done with this podcast... This better go up on Wikipedia as oh. like the objective list. I was going to send it to AFI. Oh, yeah, AFI, we could do that too. IMDb, um, any credible film source because right, right, right. the factual correct answer. Has this riff gone on for too long? No, I think it went on long cool. enough. <laughs> uh, so that is our discussion on Titanic, a wonderful film that made me ball twice. And we ain't talking ball in a cool sense. We're talking about crying. <laughs> crying is okay. It's okay to cry and feel it, emotions. It's okay, but it's not like the hip-hop balling. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. With an I-N. Yes, yes. A-L-L-I-N compared to yes. A-W-L-I-N-G. Correct, correct. Thank you for joining us in this conversation on James Cameron's Titanic. Next week, we are going to be looking at the next film to cross this list. Uh, The epic finale, I assume, of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Lord of the Rings Return of the King. And if I recall correctly, you haven't seen any of these films. I have not seen any of them, so I'm excited to see what happens. So Uh, he's going to watch all three before the next podcast. (laughs) What a week. Hopefully (laughs) I'll. I didn't just watch this movie earlier, Titanic earlier today. <laughs> um, for any of those who would like to join us, uh, if you happen to have a DVD or a Blu-ray, that's awesome. It is currently streaming on HBO Max. If you have an HBO Max subscription, um, uh, but it will not be the director's cut on HBO Max. For that one, you need to get the DVD. Yeah, be a real nerd, fake nerd. <laughs> Cool. Thank <laughs> for joining us for episode one of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. We hope to see you next week. Yes.
see you next week. Ta-ta for now. All right. Have a good day. Goodbye. I am the king of the world. <laughs>